Football Made Simple. Become great at your craft by finding ways to make it simple for those around you. This is the Coaching 101 Podcast, hosted by Find A Way Productions. With your co-host, Daniel Chamberlain and Kenny Simpson. What's up, coaches? This is the Coaching 101 Podcast. I am Daniel Chamberlain, here with Kenny Simpson. Coach, how are things over in Arkansas today? Man, they're going well. You know, I, I, for a long time, I always enjoy doing these podcasts. So if the guy's listening to this, you just got a vision of what I'm talking about. But if you're watching it, you're seeing it live here. I've always had the best backgrounds of anyone ever because my wife is our graphic designer. And today I just got upstaged by our guest, Cody. I don't know how he did what he did, but I'm, I'm kind of offended right now that he has the better background of the two of us. <laughs> Well, that's a great segue into introducing our guest today. So uh, today we're joined by Coach Cody Alexander. Uh, Coach, why don't you go ahead and, and, and tell us who you are and what you do and uh, just a quick introduction about yourself. Yeah, I'm Cody Alexander. I run uh, Match Quarters, which is a, a content brand, kind of a media brand that is centers around defensive schematics. It's something I've built now for, I think, the past seven years. Uh, really been doing it full time for the past a year and a half now, having a lot of fun. If, on wherever you social, I'm I'm probably on there. Just search Match Quarters. A lot of a lot of what I do uh, is kind of based off of Twitter. And then um, obviously, uh, I kind of got started writing. So I I still have MatchQuarters.com, which is more or less a house for my archives and my template shop. But you can find mostly what I do now on my Substack. So download the Substack app, search Match Quarters, type in your email, and then you'll get. You'll get a, I try and do a, a try and write an art, two articles a week uh, to try and keep everybody on trend and, and what's going on in the NFL and college football. Awesome. Well, we're sure glad to have you today. Uh, I'm glad we could get the schedule worked out and, and get you in on the podcast, man, because I know I've been looking forward to it and coach has been like pushing me, get that man in here. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure that uh, the listeners will absolutely love that, that you've joined on the show as well. Um, before we get going, Coach Simpson, why don't you tell us some simple ways that we can uh, kind of bring schematics down for coaches and players in football? Yeah, so glad we got Cody on here. I think he's a believer in the simplicity also. But Coaching 101 podcast is sponsored by Findaway Productions, which houses OffensiveCoordinatorAcademy.com, all things offense, workbooks, templates, the full academy it also houses DefensiveCoordinatorAcademy.com, the same thing, but for defense. And we actually were blessed enough to have Cody come on and do a session in that where he had me draw up all kinds of crazy formations you had to line up against. It was one of my favorite sessions, but it's over at DefensiveCoordinatorAcademy.com. Finally, also uh, sponsors FBCoachSimpson.com, which is all things football. Gun T system is there. The 3-4 Swarm is there. Head coaching uh, materials are there and 32 books now, almost 33. I've got the next one about ready to come out right before the season starts. Uh, so uh, plenty of materials over there. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Uh, just quickly mention, and, and you'll hear this on every other episode, so I'll be a little shorter, but Adaptable PT, that's Adaptable Physical Therapy. That's my wife and I's clinic. We've opened in Grove, Oklahoma. So if you're Northeast Oklahoma, Northwest Arkansas, some of you Missouri and Kansas cats can probably even make the trip. Um, Dr. Chamberlain is my wife. She is there to take care of whatever ails you. If you've got players that have suffered concussions, knee injuries, um, shoulders, elbow, whatever it is, they can hurt on Thursday nights, Friday nights, Monday nights, whenever you have kids on the field or in training, practice, 
uh, feel free to come on over to Adaptable PT there in Grove. You can reach us at adaptablept at gmail.com. Uh, also, also, woo, tongue tied. Uh, all these things start with an A, so that's why I'm tongue tied. Athleticspeedandmovement.com is where Joe Daniel and I have taken Dell Baskets' 40 plus years of speed development knowledge and put it at your fingertips online. Um, level one is available right now. It is a 12 week program. You can run it multiple times a year. You don't run it one time and quit. Um, guaranteed results. Okay. Your kids are going to get faster. I uh, spoke with two NFL players yesterday on some, doing some interviews, and both of them said that in college at D1 level, they both play D line, linebacker, outside linebacker, and safety. So speed matters, speed kills. Um, your kids will be multiple and be able to play wherever you need them as soon as you can get them fast. And that's what this program does. That's athleticspeedmovement.com. Uh, you can go there and sign up before, well, that has passed. So you missed your discount. Hopefully you listened to the podcast and got in last week. Uh, but if not, then uh, you can go on and sign up today. That's one year subscription. Sweet. All that's done. Let's jump into new things. So uh, Coach Alexander, we're going to start with you today. And, and that is we want to talk about what you're seeing that's new at, at all levels of football, but what are people doing new in defensive coverages that we can expect to see filter down to the high school level? Yeah, I think the biggest trend right now is regardless of whether you're a middle of the field closed or middle field open coverage system that you're going to you're going to do everything from a too high shell. Um, I think that's the biggest that's kind of the umbrella that's where everybody's kind of starting now. Uh, it's been really interesting. Uh, every year I pick a defense that I want to learn. And so I try and get as much resources on it. I watch as much film as I can. I talk to people within the system and try and learn that. Uh, this this offseason was really the, the offseason of Fangio. I really wanted to nail down on the specifics. I, and I had been, I was actually one of the first people to start writing about his system back in 2020 because it made sense to me i've ever i've always done everything from a too high shell so you know it kind of the light bulb went off but i wanted to learn everything uh the nfl is still a cover three dominant uh system uh just in general you're going to have a lot of cover three cover one is still very popular there and and i would even argue at the at the college level you still see more cover three than you will quarters just depending on what ecosystem you are but what is new is that in the NFL particularly, we're seeing a transition to more too high, at least contours pre-snap. Um, you go and you look at data. So I went back uh, and I looked at, and in fact, I, I think later today I'll have a post of cover six, which is half quarter quarter or quarter quarter half, which we'll talk about the differences there uh, here in a second, but uh, even at the cover six level. So the, the quarter quarter half level, you have seen kind of almost a doubling from in five years of the percentage. It went from 4% of the play calls on defense in the NFL in 18, and it has jumped to over 8%. So you have seen that trend. The quarters trend, I think is the biggest one. Uh, more teams are playing quarters in the NFL than ever before which is brand new teams have uh, and again I preface this because when I started doing Fangio I got all these these older coaches who are very familiar with Dom Capers who's the defensive senior assistant uh, at for Carolina for Evero uh, and then also everybody knows who Dick LeBeau is he's kind of the the face of the fire zone um, but everybody's been very quick to say you know this Fangio system is really just Dom Capers and Dick LeBeau and 
And all of this, to give you the full history lesson, all of this started with the 1986 Saints. So back in, in Jim Mora, if you don't know who Jim Mora Sr. is, he's the guy, the, the meme of playoffs, playoffs. <laughs> that's that's uh, Jim Mora Sr. I was lucky enough this year to go travel to UConn and meet uh, Jim Coach Jim Mora uh, the, the Jr. And, and be able to spend time with his staff. So that was really fun. Uh, also got to speak with John Pagano, who worked for Fangio for two years in the Broncos system. Just just finding out all the nuances and how all that stuff was, it was created was really cool. So that's kind of the full uh, Fangio uh, system, kind of why I'm, why I'm looking at that, what he has done and really what Staley did with, with LA. And then again, when he went to the chargers is, I mean, we're 80% plus too high shell pre-snap and that's never been done in the NFL ever. So that's yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead, coach. Well, I, I'm just saying like that's to me that that's the biggest thing. So when you have these older coaches come to you and they're like, well, you know, this is Dick LeBeau and, and Don Capers. It's like, yes, I do understand that. But what is is undeniable is the too high shell that you're seeing. Well, he's going to have tools. I'm a Dolphin fan, so I can speak a little bit to what he's walking into. So I do want to hit a couple other questions you've got, too. But let's talk about Miami because you're on the Dolphins and I could talk Dolphins all day. I'm a big fan. But he just walked into Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard, okay, Holland at safety, probably three pro bowlers in his secondary, and two guys that could lock down any receiver. So do you think Miami is going to go to a lot more zone? That's the rumors. That's what his system is, is a lot more zone because Miami's been predominantly man for a long time. Man, man, zero, you know, with all that. So do you think he's going to keep what he's doing or will he adjust a little bit? Fangio is an interesting character because everywhere he's been, he's been willing to change not only his uh, the, the names that he calls things, but also adjust the system. I thought Evero did a really good job at the Broncos illustrating how you can run this system with press. If you go and you look at the Broncos um, with with Sertan and then Mathis from Pitt, and if you have if you know anything about quarters, you have watched Pitt football and you have watched press press quarters, four lock, whatever you want, nine man spacing, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you've seen that. So when you have two on ball corners like that, um, and, and then two, when, when he goes to the dolphins, he's going to have Ramsey who can play on, he can play off. He can play in the nickel. You've got Xavier Howard who really, to me, uh, and I, I, uh, I know Xavier personally, he was at Baylor when I was at Baylor, great kid. Um, he is a great on ball physical corner, uh, has some zone mechanics that he can play with. So I think you're going to see a little bit more match tighter uh not as loose and i think you will see a little bit more cover one and probably his blitz rates will probably go higher just because of the the front seven that he has and then being able to place the man in the background that's the one thing that i really uh you really have to tip your hat to fangio is that at every place he's been you know he's kind of he's kind of morphed you know when he was with the bears that's kind of when that penny front stuff, that five one stuff that you're seeing a lot of these teams do now. That's kind of where that was. Well, he had Khalil Mack, why, and, and he had Roquan Smith. You could sit in the middle. Why, why you don't want anybody else on the field, right? So five one makes sense. And then he goes to the Broncos, where he's got these two really good edge players, one, one in Von Miller, and then you have Bradley Chubb, who's now with the Dolphins. And, and so why, you know, you don't really have five interior guys. 
three interior guys that you can play with. So what do you do? You run more traditional nickel stuff. So I think he's shown that he's willing to change where he goes. I'm, you know, he's talked about that. He's going to have some new coverages this year. I'm interested. Uh, Dolphins will be definitely a must watch uh, this year for sure. Another question I had for you too, is you're talking about all the adjustments in the NFL and and we're talking about trinkle down here. Cause I yeah. think the NFL, I think defensively, the NFL has always been a little bit ahead of every other level. I think the opposite personally, offensively, I think offensively yeah. everything kind of trinkles up. So what's got into the NFL that's causing the defenses to make these adjustments, which I think is going to now trickle down to high school, is stopping the RPO. That's got to be number one on every defensive's radar. Is that why you think we're seeing more of the too high shell and then disguising what they're doing? Because, you know, as an RPO guy, if I can identify what you're in, I can call the correct RPO multiple times. But if you're giving me a too high shell and I'm getting in some different looks – that's what killed Miami when they played uh, the Chargers. The Chargers were getting into a bunch of stuff and clouding that middle of the field and taking that stuff away. Is that kind of why you think we're seeing this, or is there another reason? Yeah, I think it, one thing that you see at the NFL level that you just don't see at the high school level is condensed sets. Um, just the reductions and everything works to the middle of the field. Plus, then you start getting change of strength motion, quick motion. The best way to deal with that is to get into too high shell and have and have your corners handle the flats. And, and that that tends to be uh, an easy answer. Um, I think also, too, at the NFL level, just there is a power run game element with it. And it's not just uh, it's the reason why it's, it's interesting because you're a wing T guy. And I was thinking about this when, when before we got on here today is the wing T is still a viable offense at, at kind of the smaller college level and at the high school level, because you can, you can get defenses out of balance, but then there's also that downhill run game element of sometimes you can just be tougher. Like a lot of some of these suburban schools and these inner city schools that really lean into the seven on seven culture, they really lean into the spread and the air rate and, and, and kind of the passing game part of that. You can get them in a situation where, the physicality of that and the downhill run of that is just not going to match. I think at the NFL, the perimeter game of the wing T shows up, you know, and I think it, it's funny, you know, cause I, on Twitter, there's every week after the NFL, there's going to be, Oh, Hey, this is a wing T play. Hey, this is a wing T, but it's uh, the caveat to that is it's always a perimeter hitting play right. um, power play. counter, uh, a trap are have always been staples in the NFL. They've always been from under the center, always had that downhill run game. So you still have that element in the NFL, but there's a perimeter game of that. Um, to match that, though, I think, like you said, the trickle-up effect of RPOs, the air raid, going to the alert instead of the intermediate, working top-down instead of working intermediate low, then, hey, if you don't defend it or we've got a burner, we'll throw, you know, you throw the shot play every once in a while. Now it's Let's throw the shot play. If it's not there, just check down to the intermediate. Um, and I think, too, at the NFL level, what the it used to not be where the NFL was kind of ahead of the game. It, it was always kind of like we just run cover three, we run cover one. I think with the fire zones, I, I think that there's there's been times within the history of the NFL where with the fire zones, with what we're seeing now with the two high shell, like guy, it, it just turns a light bulb on for some guys at the lower level. I think one coverage in particular that if I was a high school coach right now, I would go to the nearest college that I can find because this is where you really see it more than anything else. And I would 
learn how to run bracket and how people run bracket that to me, that is going to be the next evolution at the high school level. We already have cover four for the, and we really, we have cover four and quarters for the quarterback run game. We have cover two for the perimeter hitting RPOs. What do we do now that we're getting slants? We're getting uh, snags. We're getting uh, fin routes, five and in. We're getting a lot of these in-breaking routes because defenses know how to take away the gift read, like you you mentioned, right? We we if and if I go from a too high shell, and I've been a proponent of that for a long time. That's why the Fangio system really kind of resonated with me was because I've always believed in a a static pre-snap look right I want every time that offense coordinator puts puts a clip on it looks the exact same every time and then all hell breaks loose after after the snap that to me has always been a big part of my philosophy towards defending RPOs Um, bracket to me is such a big college coverage you really don't see it anywhere else. The NFL, you don't see it just because they don't. They would rather just spin to cover three. They don't want to play that read match, and they would rather, if they're going to have a slot corner, they might as well just go ahead and, and play him more of a match or man. Um, whereas at the at the college level, you now have guys that are kind of in between. Uh, and so to me, that has been – I mean, there's whole defenses at the college level that they consider themselves – quote unquote quarters defenses, but they are basing out of bracket, which all you've done is taken the overhang, aligned them outside, and you've switched the rules. Now the overhang is all of two up and out. And the safety is your apex player, but he's playing from the table, which gives you leverage on fin routes and slant routes, which are which are inviting when you look at bracket contours pre-snap. All right, coach. So you're a young guy, hold on. Yeah, I'm about to I know what you're about to say. So yeah, it's a lot of terms. All he's saying is you're taking your outside linebacker or strong safety and putting him between two and one. That's what I'm assuming there, Coach. Right. And then he's going to now handle number one inbreaker or number two outbreaker. Is that what you're saying? You yes. tell me if I'm right. But more of a match mentality. So what you described is old school robber coverage, right. inverted two, however you want to. It's all It's all triangles, right? So we're just trying to create different triangles. This is more of a match concept. Now what we're seeing with offenses is we have what's called a power slot, right? We have, instead of aligning our best receiver at X, let's put him at the slot. We can send him in jet motion and run the ball with him. We can motion him into the backfield, run the ball with him. We can start him in the backfield, motion him out. We can really do a lot of different things to really mess with you when he's at the slot. Uh, And so how do we get a bracket? on the slot receiver. And the best way to do that is take your match quarters that you've already been running. Uh, and all you're doing is, is now switching responsibility. The nickel now is taking all of two up and out, which if you run four lock or you run nine man spacing quarters, that's been your safety's responsibility forever. And then your over your overhang or your apex player has always just kind of cut the in in breaking route. Now, I do get questions all the time. Well, what if it's a shallow? Okay, well, if it's a shallow, then it turns into robber, right? The the you, it really just turns into quarters. It turns into a box. Your mic works to your mic, you know, works to the the mesh route. Your nickel's going to find work, which means he's going to cut one, and then your safety's just playing from the hash. So it ends up it ends up playing a lot like quarters. It's just a different variation of quarters you're just playing more of a match scheme so i am glad you brought that up because yes if you're sitting here and you're listening you're like well that sounds a lot like old school robber it is but it's it's where we've really screwed it down and we re- really made it because that corner now is playing 
man coverage or what's called Meg coverage, man everywhere he goes on number one. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So it makes sense. So Daniel, make sure because you're our guy we're testing on that. You kept so we were locking up number one and basically we're double covering number two unless he runs a shallow across the field or whatever. Right. And, and two for that safety, if you do, let's say they run a fade out, right? Let's say that they run a fade out, then your your nickel or your Sam, how whatever you call him, is going to take number two out. That safety now becomes a hash safety and find work. So all of your teaching mechanics, because that's always the thing when you add new coverages. And we've talked about this before, Kenny, multiple times. It's like, I want to be simple, but I don't want to be simplistic, right? So how can I make things simple for my kids? Well, all we're doing is flipping it. Your safety doesn't really need to change. Uh, He can be a little bit more aggressive to the run uh, and he becomes your apex defender. But if we get past and we get an out by two or an under by two, he just becomes a hash safety, which is what you already have been teaching anyway. I think that's probably going to lead into what we got next anyway, isn't it? Coach? That's right. So next question. Um, so for those of you that are spinning right now, um, we're, we're going to talk about the differences, and that's okay, right? Because more complex things are great. You need them, um, and it just takes time to learn them. So the next question is going to be, we start looking at differences in these pattern matchings and all these different versions of that, and then just old school spot drop. Like, um, can, can we still old school spot drop out of this too high look um, when just spinning people down? does and so what is our differences there coach i think you have to be careful spot dropping uh anybody other than a box player i think you start getting in trouble now versus these spread teams if you're gonna spot drop with your sam linebacker then you basically need to be playing zero coverage uh so if you again i go back to pit if you've ever watched pit you've ever watched narduzzi you've ever watched any of those like in nine man spacing meaning that the, the, those safeties are responsible for two out and up. So we're essentially playing blitz coverage, but we're calling it quarters because it does have some rules. We're going to zone out. We're going to zone off of him if he goes inside. Um, I think you can do some spot dropping or what I, I would, I would term it vision dropping. I would not, I would stay away from spot dropping. Spot dropping became really popular because the West Coast offense was such a timing offense, and then it would just go straight to a one spot, and you knew where that curl was. At. Like when they ran the Hank concept, you knew exactly where that was going to go. You got this formation. You knew this concept was coming. You knew you needed to drop to right here. Well, offenses, and this is the evolution of football, and this is why defense is so hard, because the offense changes before the defense changes. So the offenses then started saying, well, what if we just option that guy off of your leverage? Well, now that creates issues. So what's the best way to defend an option route? Well, just play man coverage, right? So that's when you see cover one becoming really the dominant scheme in the NFL was because it's like, well, now they're optioning everybody. Let's just play cover one. Um, I think now with really the air raid system and the run to space and, and find find open grass, like that, that kind of has become now more or less where we're going. So when you start spot dropping to spots, you better have pressure behind it. Um, I think uh, I think you can get away with like if you are into the creeper and sim world, which is really you're just running replacement pressures. I'm taking a second or a third level defender. I'm blitzing him on a regular path, a traditional path, hitting the B gap, C gap. And then I'm dropping the defensive end away, which a lot of three, four teams, a lot of odd stack teams, you're like, man, we've been doing this forever. It's just become now the norm and four down in the three down world. And, and people now have a, a normalized language for it. Um, 
but you're doing it purposefully. When you do that, I think your your first level defenders they don't need to know how to match. Uh, it goes back to teaching, right? How can I teach my defensive end match techniques? Well, that becomes really difficult. So how do I mitigate that? Well, I'm telling him to either cut number one. I'm telling him just drop vertically uh, and, and read the quarterback. Drop into the middle of the formation. Read the quarterback. Hey, I'm dropping you to a spot. And then this is where I go back to the NFL and the two high. Now we can start mixing in because we are cover three dominant. We can mix in some quarters rules to help our first level defenders so that they're really just flat defenders or they're a bang to buzz defender. They're going to bang on, they're going to bang on, on the seam. And then he's going to buzz the flatter. He's going to grab the running back as he goes to the flat things that are already easy. You know, if you run six man pressures and you peel, right the, the running back you've already worked a lot of this a lot of this stuff if you have um if you've been running replacement pressures or fire zones and you're dropping the defensive end you're probably having him drop to a spot so you already have this stuff in so it's not i think that to me is the is the biggest you, spot dropping in the NFL is still kind of a thing, but it's more or less you're really looking at the edge defenders and then maybe your Mike linebacker, inside linebacker, who's just kind of dropping to an area and then playing with vision. But we're matching everything out. And I think that's just because nowadays, uh, you, you know, I, I say I use this example because I, I watched a clinic, you know, this clinic is office coordinator. I can't remember, but he was like, I ran Y cross 15 different times, but it looked different every single time because of the formation or a different tag that we put into it. And so you have to understand that they're going to change. They're going to, they're going to know what coverage you're running and then they're going to know the beater off of it. And they're just going to get you in different situations. So your inside guys need to really be spot droppers, but your outside guys still need a match. Uh, a couple of caveats I'd give here is, you know, think about where you're coaching, you know, Cody's coming from a world in Texas where they, throw the ball a lot, very efficiently. He's coming from a collegiate level where they throw the ball very, a lot, very efficiently, NFL level. And you get, those guys are going to be efficient. Okay, You need to consider as a coach, who do you play? What's your schedule look like? Are you in rural Kansas or Oklahoma or even Arkansas? Where, yeah, we do see spread teams, but, you know, they're spread to run the ball. Or we see spread teams, but they're not really a timing-based offense. You know, we see spread teams, or we're going to see these teams that, um, yeah, they throw the ball a little bit, but they're not like going to be able to just pick me apart. You know, there was a time when I coached in Alabama where I didn't think you could throw a five-yard hitch all the way down the field and beat me. And so and we only saw maybe one team a year that could do that. So we would spot drop. And, all right, throw a five-yard hitch. Who cares? We're going to give that to you. And there's games now where you can't do that. They will do that, and they will beat you. And so you have to kind of consider that when you're looking at are we going to spot drop or are we going to match? In my opinion, I think Cody shares the same opinion. The match is obviously going to be better, but it's also a little more expensive to teach. There's going to be a little more time involved with that. So that's why he kind of said some kids like inside linebackers that you're not going to require to cover, but maybe one game a year. Why would you spend that much time teaching them how to pattern match or spot drop is probably a little bit easier. Um, you know, we also look at this kind of stuff like in our spot drop, how are you teaching that? You know, so we might play a team. I'll give you an example. We played a team this year who on third and more than seven was going to throw the ball to the sticks 
in the flats. So we didn't run pattern match with our outside backer. We ran spot drop. He literally would find the sticks. He'd point at the sticks before the snap. And on the snap, he would sprint there and he'd find the receiver who I knew was going to run a hitch or an out route at the sticks. And he had two picks. Okay. So that's a, an example of where spot drop was useful. Okay. If we were running a team that's going to run a bunch of curls, that would be horrible. He'd run out there <laughs> and they'd run a curl right behind him. You know, so that's the kind of things you got to kind of think about. We are a big pattern max team with our outside backers, with our safeties, with our corners, simply because I'm tired of, you know, so many teams are very good at just finding space against the zone and, and throwing it in there. So if you do that, and Cody's brought this up on the first one and the second one here, it's not as hard as you think it is. Like a lot of people think teaching pattern match must be complicated. You probably have to be a genius. No, you just have to teach rules. It's like basketball. You teach rules. I, my eyes are on this guy. My hands are on this guy. And the main thing that I like about it is if you're playing these efficient offenses that throw the ball, you're not going to have wide open holes in the middle of your zone. Um, and Cody mentioned it, our college teams that are still running spot drop. A good example very recently would have been Ohio State, or was it Devontae Smith had like 9,000 yards in the first half on the same route because they were trying to run spot drop. And you had a guy in Alabama, Tua, that could throw it, and you had Devontae Smith who could catch it. Okay, well, that's what you have to be very aware of. And so caveat I'd put in here for a coach is if you're in some rural area where people aren't throwing the ball at maybe one or two uh, one or two times a year where you're seeing that, maybe you don't want to put a lot of time invested in how many coverages you have or how efficient you are because you're only going to see it twice. But if you're playing in the modern-day era at a higher level, you need to have some of this ability to probably do both, probably do a little bit of both. So, Cody, I'll kick that back to you. I mean, what are your thoughts kind of on just general, you know, what, what you're seeing in the game at the high school level specifically where it's moving? Yeah, I think you, you have you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I, I think that you get to certain areas and it's it, it there are certain systems or, hey, I we're really only seeing one spread team a year. Do I really need to uh, do I really need to go all in on a match system? You know, I think at the high school level, you kind of lean towards what I would call a zone match, which means that your underneath players are playing zone, whereas your your DBs are playing your match rules. And so really you're you're working a lot of 2v2. The DBs are already together. You already know what routes you're getting from all your opponents. You know, I used to every year I would go and get on, on huddle and I would sort all the, the two-by formations. And, and whether it was doubles, whether it was two-by-one, it didn't matter what anytime I had two receivers, I sort of put those all in a cut up and then I just looked at what are the top 10 route combinations. And so I would then just those would be the route matches that we would go. And then obviously I put in the beaters, things that I felt like we were going to see or things that we struggled on that maybe weren't showing up in that. So it ended up being about a list of 15 different things. Uh, but you really are just once you have the techniques in. Now you're really just working eyes and pattern matching. And then now your underneath players really are just playing, you know, two to three, three to two, where, where, you know, week two, you know, am, am I, do I have a push alert? Do I not? Do I need to have take back on this? Which means that the three's away from you. So I have to take him back because three's blind. Right. So, and I used to tell guys all the time, especially linebackers when I was teaching coverage, if you can count to three, you can play coverage. And it really doesn't matter because the offense only gives you five guys out. So there's always a midpoint, always. 
unbalanced, I actually, I actually, and I know it gives a lot of people problems, but I actually preferred unbalanced because you killed a receiver. So it's one less vertical threat and I got to worry about. Uh, so to me, it was like, oh, now you just made my life a lot easier. So we can always adjust with secondary, you know? So it was like, to me, I unbalanced never bothered me, but now when I get five out, now I need to understand, you know, where's three and you talk a great example with Ohio state and where you get in trouble in cover three is who is your three up player. So you may not think about Matt. You may think of match because I, you know, I am match quarters. You may think of, oh, well, matching's only in the quarters or the open, open world. There's a whole universe of cover three that is pattern matching. A lot of it comes from the weak rotation side, which, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod really looks a lot like quarters. So, <laughs> you get, uh, and two, cover three guys will tell you they build in quarters rules within their cover three systems because they, they, there are certain situations where you do not want your defensive end running a vertical column. You would rather have your safety on top of it, which is the same problems you have i don't want my mike linebacker at the high school level typically running the vertical column with number three and that's what you saw in that's what you saw in ohio state the three up player in cover three happened to be you know tough borland who who was not a heisman trophy winner like Devonte smith and so you end up getting uh essentially a track meet and that's a big thing that i talk to guys all the time db guys all the time and, and and i always with my players we don't want track meets the offense knows where they're going we don't we don't want to get into a track meet all the time because even if and we see this at the at the college and at the nfl level these guys we get their combine numbers we know what there is, but it's just something different when you are not in control of what you're doing. You're going to run slower than if you know exactly where you're going. We don't want to run in lanes because that gives the receiver space. So we don't want to get in track meets. We don't want to always be in chase mentality. We want to, so, you know, you get you, there's a sense of, I would even argue that if you are a cover three base system, you still need to have match principles. You still need to have a quarter's toolbox you know a quarters toolbox within that and a lot of that comes from the weak rotation which is what we're seeing again you know i talked about the trends in the nfl one of the big things is is putting the cover two side to the passing strength or to the nickel and having your boundary safety kind of be this bonus player uh which again was one of the big things that what do you how do you defend raw air raid well a lot of the times if i can man up the backside i'm going to take that boundary safety and i'm just going to shift them into the middle of the field well that kind of looks like cover three. And in fact, if you talk to the Fangio guys, they talk about rotation. Well, if you are a football guy at all, and I say rotation, you're instantly going to think you're conditioned to think cover three, but the way that they do it, they actually rotate the coverage, meaning they put the cover two side to the nickel. A lot of the times when you use that boundary safety, it's kind of this bonus defender. They can. So if you run solo or poach, uh, or kick, whatever you want to call it, they move him over top to take three up. So you're really running, uh, cover three principles within quarters. It's just the quarter, the corners telling you. And it's funny. I was, uh, I, I've talked to a, uh, some, uh, some people that deal with quarterbacks and, and then some, also some, some NFL guys and, and that are like the analysts that are trying to watch the games in detail coverage. And it's like, well, the problem is the quarterback is never told to read the corner. That's not, that's usually not the read 
when you're trying to determine coverage. It's usually the boundary safety. So the issue now is how can I tell when it's weak rotation cover three or when they're running what this Fangio calls it cover eight, where it, you kind of it's half quarter quarter. Well, the corner to the passing stream is going to be the one that's telling you that we can see that on the all 22 and we can see that hindsight 2020, but for a quarterback, everything looks like cover three, but then it matches like split field coverage. And that's where, that's where I think you can get, you can get, if you are already a quarters team, it's a lot easier to go to cover three than it is for you to be a cover three team and go to quarters. Um, I think so. So to me, that's why I've always been a quarters guy and I know I'm biased. I mean, I, I match quarters, right. But I feel like that weak rotation aspect is it. And so then going back to zone match, uh matching it you know man basically playing man with zone underneath of it um again i think it gives you we can zone everything underneath with the trash and then we're going to cap receivers i think that's the biggest thing nowadays uh when you talk to defensive coordinators especially at the college level nfl it's like look we cannot give up explosives and i don't want linebackers defending receivers so how can i do that uh, you know at the the College NFL level, they figure that problem out by putting a, a, a corner at nickel um, or their best covered safety at nickel. And then they play man coverage or they play match coverage with them. And then your box is your box. Right. So I think it, not everybody has that luxury. Uh, the last two years I coached high school ball, uh, I had five division one athletes when I was at Horn. Uh, three of them were sophomores at the time, but I had two seniors at corner. I had three sophomores in the secondary, and it was like, how can we do this? Well, we're just going to play with three corners. So we ended up playing a lot of cover one, ended up playing a lot of bracket, ended up playing a lot more like a match coverage. Even though we were a three high defense, we played it almost like we were playing quarters, uh, and which a lot of – hint, hint, that's a new trend that you're seeing. TCU – Iowa State, yes, Iowa State, you know, tight Tampa that everybody thinks it's really not, but everybody thinks that it's they're running a bunch of cover two. They actually ran a bunch more quarters this year. TCU ran almost all quarters this year. Uh, so that's something that that's something that even if I'm a three high team or I'm an odd stat guy and it's like, well, we've always been a cover three team or a Tampa team. Well, the the guys at the highest level that are seeing all the crazy stuff from the offense, they're telling you right now we're moving to quarters. I mean, Georgia, who has been, I mean. Kirby Smart's a, a, a Nick Saban guy. I think if anybody in the South is alive and has been around football, they know what Rip Liz is, and they understand the match concept, match three. Well, you're seeing Georgia run almost 50% quarters last year. Uh, even when they were blitzing, they were running what they call their big 12s, which is half-field zone, which is stuff that, I mean, I think we, me and you, Kenny, have talked about this before, too, is in half-field zone. It's like I zone to one side, man to the blitz side. We're playing quarters, but we're still blitzing. So we're not constantly getting in cover three, constantly giving in cover one. So I think those are the things when you sit down and you're looking at who my opponents are. You are correct, Kenny. If I am playing kind of these, you know, to use a, a, a term, a, these dinosaur offenses, right, and I'm seeing the wing T, I'm seeing the slot T, I'm seeing the flex bone, I'm seeing this, I would even, and I worked on a flex bone, I worked on a flex bone uh, offense for three years when I was at Midlothian. We were really good. I mean, we were scoring 30-plus a game. So this was quarters and match quarters in particular works really, really well against the flex bone. And so, and it, it unlocks your kids' brains a lot of time when you go back to space, they can see these switches. They can see where I need to be hard, where I need to be soft. What do I do when I get a post wheel? What do I do when I get a curl wheel? What do I do when I get jet motion, quick motion? 
all of those things are problems created in the flex foam that you now have these rules built in for match. It's really easy to then go to a modern offense and the kids kind of take a deep breath and like, Oh, this is, this is easy. I don't have to worry about pitch. I don't have to worry about, am I folding back inside? You know, all of these things with unbalance and key these condensed sets. So I would even argue that if, if flex bone is the one you can get away with teaching match coverage, uh, you don't have to be a spot drop, but I do think your inside guys can spot drop. And I, and so I do understand that. And I, and I, again, do what's best for your kids. Every place I've ever been, and we ran a completely different defense uh, in the secondary because that's the kids that we had. You know, you can go look at every spot that I've been at, and it's been completely different. Uh, and that's because the kids were completely different. The program had different needs. I had athletes at one. I didn't have athletes at other. I had really smart players at one, but they weren't great athletes. So we could do a little bit more uh, disguise stuff to really help mitigate to mitigate some of the athletic problems. And when I was at Horn, it was like, man, I got just nothing but athletes. So now we're going to play a lot tighter to things. We're going to do it. I was teaching more of the, the nuances of coverage where your eyes are going, the pattern matching off of it so that we could really dictate it. And then at my last stop at life school, we just really were not very athletic at all. We were behind eight ball. We had, uh, you know, three of the teams uh, in, in our district uh, were either going to the third round or won a state title within the fa- in, in the last five years. So it was like, how can we make everything as simple as possible, but also be really in tune in to capping these verticals fatal. We don't want to give them up, make teams work. Yeah. We're probably going to get scored on, but let's make them work to buy ourselves some time. So I, I do agree. What are you seeing? And then defend what you see. Yeah, I'm going to say one thing, Daniel, kick it over to you. I know you probably got some other stuff here too, but uh, as a as a guy who runs an older offense, we see a lot of teams default, and that's fine. I'm, I'm, I don't hide from that. But we see a lot of teams default to stop us, and they go, man, and I start drooling because that's what I want. Like I can really confuse you when you go, man, and we're running shifts, moves, all this kind of stuff, and you don't normally run man. You'd be better off to stay in your base, like Cody says. If you're running quarters or whatever, you'd be better off just to stay in that because now I won't trick you and get three or four wide-open shots a game because you went to something you'd never run for. I think that's probably going to lead into your next question there, Daniel. But what else you got on this before we kind of move there? Well, yeah, I mean, y'all y'all really uh, segued into the last question uh, several times now, and that's awesome. And that's kind of, you know, in high school, how do we choose what to run? Because you're telling us, you know, this all has to – trickle down from the NFL and at what point do I pull the trigger to go with a more complex coverage? Um, but I just wanted to say like, now is, now's the time more than any time in the history of football coaching. Um, you have an opportunity to take something very complex, get it installed, the bases and spring ball, and then you get seven on seven all summer. Right. I mean, it, and I know in Oklahoma, um, we get at least until the dead period. And I think there's a week after the dead period that we get to play seven on seven. So, you can take these very complex things and find how to make simple rules for them, which is what O-line coaches have been doing that for years, right? How do you get five dudes to do one thing? Um, well, you just give them rules and, and you make sure those rules don't contradict each other. And then you go play football. So uh, from the O-line standpoint, uh, trying to, you know, and I teach DB and O-line because that's what I like to do, I guess. So, uh, you know, I'm already ready for those rules and that's what you get to do. But now we have that seven on seven culture where I can go out and I can get, 80 stinking reps every Monday night and another 80 every Friday night if I want, whatever it is, 
to go practice this. And when I screw up, it doesn't cost me an actual touchdown, right? Mm -hmm. Sure, the other team might celebrate a little bit, but I'm going to come back and get a pick in a few plays anyway. So um, I just think that it's a really good time to start dabbling into something more complex. Um, you, you know, our last couple episodes have been how to pick your offense and how to pick your defense. And so we'll be honest with you. Here we are talking podcast world. We've not recorded the defensive one yet. It will be recorded after this and it'll come out before it, but I can tell you what we're going to say. Who are your personnel? What do you know? Um, what other coaches do you have on staff that can teach it? Because that's the things that matter, right? When you go picking your, your defensive scheme. But now when we're talking coverages, you better know who your opponent is, what it is you need to stop. If you've won eight games every year for 10 years, great. Why are you getting kicked out in the first round of the playoffs? So now you need to start, you know, you can kind of plan ahead. If you're taking over a team that's 0-10 or they've got, you know, continuously win three games, maybe this episode isn't for you. Maybe you need to go back to that last defensive episode, which we will record later, but come out before this, and figure out, you know, more of a base defense to start in. So having said all that, uh, Coach Alexander, I'll kind of kick this back to you. And what should high school coaches be looking at before they go making a determination of, of what defense to run, what coverage? Yeah, I really think it it comes down to the passing game. And I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that there is this, this there's this there's this fence or line, however you want to say it, drawn in football where you're either very pro seven on seven or you're very anti seven on seven. I always looked at seven on seven as a tool to let's see stuff that we will never see in in season but it's going to stress us more than anything and that allows us to create a toolbox to get more nuance to learn uh different things um i go back one of my very first uh days at life school a couple years ago we're, we're at a seven on seven uh kind of there were 14 we do and in texas you have your state qualifiers but then a lot of teams to get the extra reps you have kind of like a seven on seven league that y'all meet either once or twice a week and so uh they a team typically will get in the way that we run split field coverage they'll take one and two line them up really wide and they'll just set three on the hash and then they'll try and isolate your mic and they want to figure out how you're going to do that. And so I had to put in a coverage that where we locked the mic, I had a mic that could run. Uh, so I didn't mind locking them up on a tight end, which is what we had. So I, we, I was not anticipating to really install that until the season. If we, if, if we even needed it, but it came up and guess what, from that day on, we could run that. I didn't have to actually cover it. So I actually lost time. I, I actually, I bought time back. Uh, in the season because I, I wasn't going to have to go over that. I look at seven on seven as a, as kind of a math problem, right? You have a plus B equals C, right? I've got to figure out we're getting a we're running B. This is the result. How do we change that? Do I need to change something up? Do I need to add? Do I need to subtract? Do I need to divide? Do I need to multiply? How do it where in certain spots? So that's kind of where I am on seven on seven. Um, and I think you, you really, you hit it, you hit it correctly on that's a time to really learn and fail. Uh, I never, I never like, I never got fired up about seven on seven. Uh, you know, I'm not out there just like yelling and screaming, uh, getting mad about seven on seven. Now, if we were playing poor technique, we're being lazy. That's, that's, that's something completely different. We got to set the tone there, but in terms of just like, Hey, Oh, well they got in bunch and they ran three verticals with a four push. Like, okay, 
we, we didn't work that we need to work that we'll figure that out, you know, well, okay, let's go to the sideline. Let's talk about it like that to me. Yeah. Okay. You know, but I'm not going to get mad at a kid because we busted a coverage and they ran somebody up the seam and the kids played the rules that we had put in. Um, so when I, when I sit down in, in the off season and I'm looking at coverage, I'm looking at what we're getting. Um, are we getting play at, you know, that was the biggest difference for me. I'm coming from the college level and then five, a big six, a level at the, in Dallas, which is very much RPO division one quarterbacks all over the place, division one receivers all over the place, you know, offensive coordinators that could easily be at the college level. Um, and so when I went to four a at life school, I had to completely rechange the way that I thought. I'm not getting RPOs. I'm getting play action. So for me, it became we're really going to base in quarters, and then our changeup is going to be just cover one. We're just going to play cover one. And really what we ended up doing, because I, I had, I only had two, I literally, I only had two linebackers on the entire team, uh, and only one could really play. So it was like, how can we do this? What we ended up developing into was a five-man pressure cover one defense. I had three corners. We're going to guard the slot. We're going to guard the outside guys. I had one safety that was really good coming down into the box. He was going to come into the box. And then I just had another safety that was kind of a, a bonus player. But I was going to blitz the linebackers to where the fits needed to be. If you were a gap scheme team, we were going to attack your B gap. We were going to attack your tight end or away from tight end. If you're a sling tight end, we're going to attack away from tight end. If you're a power team, we were going to attack the tight end. We were at the spot. So, you know, that to me is really what we became because – I really wasn't worried about RPOs. Uh, we, everybody was spread to run for the most part, except for Stephenville. Stephenville, I think, threw like 40 times in the first half uh, in, in a game. I, like, I'm breaking it down. I was like, I think they only ran the ball five times. I mean, they had like 80 plays in a game. And Stephenville, two years ago, by the way, won the state title. So uh, they, they, had, they wanted to pass the ball. And then in the second half, they would just run the ball because they were already up on everybody. So it was like – that to me was okay. How how do we do it? So that every place, like I said, every place I've been, yes, I have my base defense, my philosophy, the way that I want to do things, coverage wise, teaching wise. But every place I went, whether it was Lovejoy, whether it was uh, Midlothian, Mesquite Horn, or it was Life School, we had to change to fit our kids. We had to change because of the way that we had. Like I said, when I was at Horn, we were so talented, but we were so young and we didn't have a quarterback. So we were constantly playing catch up. We were constantly having to play. We had to play more or less like we had to really, we were the ones that had to really slow the offense down to keep the game. We had to grind the game down. So we played a lot of off coverage. We wanted you to go for the five yard hitch. We wanted you to run the ball. We wanted you to stay off. We wanted the offense to stay. And I know that sounds crazy because we played Rockwall and Rockwall Heath who both had division one quarterbacks, both were scoring 40 points a game. And it's like, how do you help your offense that can't score points? So it's like that, that kind of system. Then you go to Lovejoy, you know, I go all the way back to Lovejoy where we had division one quarterback. We had a division one receiver. We're the ones that are scoring. We just had to make sure we didn't lose the game. Right. <laughs> like and with, you know, all the athletes are on all, all the athletes are on offense. How do we play with a real, a bunch of really smart kids, but none of them are going to play in college other than bumper pool. 
Uh, shout out Bumper Pool. He's with the Carolina Panthers now. Um, leading tackler of all time at Arkansas. He's been calling defense since he was 14, by the way. So, I mean, the kid's a freak. But that was like our one defensive player. So, it was like, <laughs> it's like, how do you keep everything from going crazy? You know, we just didn't need to lose the game. You go to Midlothian, we're a flex bone team. All the athletes are on defense. Uh, so, but we were super young. So it was keeping it simple. We played a lot more, basically like nine man spacing three, four team. So I just go back just using my own experience. Every place, every year is different. You can obviously get more nuanced as you go. You mentioned it earlier about being, I'm at a new program. We're not very successful. Uh, I feel like I've had that experience at life school. We were that way. And then at Midlothian, my first year at Midlothian, we, were, we just were not very good and we were really young. And it's about teaching the basics, getting good at fundamentals, getting better every week, not worrying about, I got to get to my call sheet. I got to get to this blitz. I got to get to this coverage. I want this. I want that. Um, and I think to me, that really is the biggest thing is when you go to a program that is not very good. It's making this doing the simple better to steal from Dave Aranda. That's their motto this year at Baylor. And I think it's just so good is doing the simple better. Uh, so when you're really trying to press reset, let's say you've got a bunch of seniors and they all graduated and you're looking at your, your, your defensive room and you're like, it's a bunch of puppies. You are in the mindset of I've called all this stuff. This is, I've, I've been able to do a lot of stuff. Now you really got to go back and figure out who are we as a defense before I move on. Um, and so to me, that is where you go look at every year I was at Midlothian. Again, I had freshmen and sophomores in the secondary at, as at the first year. Second year, we were really good and we could start doing some stuff. By the time that uh, my third year there, I mean, we averaged 91 yards passing a game. Uh, we had like 16 interceptions, 15 of them were from the secondary. So how did we get from giving up about you know, 38 points a game to a bunch of division one football players at Mansfield uh, in, in that district to basically being one of the best defenses in the state at the, at the 5A level. So to me, that was, that was, uh, that was kind of the evolution. Look, we started small and we built. So that would be my, that would be my suggestion. And then if you are on average, I mean, when, when, you know, on the other flip side of it, you just got this job at a, you've earned the right to be at one of these big programs. You've earned the right to be at one of these great programs that have a bunch of kids that can do things. Remember again, it's, you can accelerate it, but still start small and build, get nuanced, get nuanced kind of the other and don't default. And I, you know, cause this was the thing that I noticed when I went to horn again, I had five division one athletes in the secondary. The one thing that I noticed with my two division one corners was that they had never really been taught football. It was always just lock that guy up. It was cat coverage. So don't default back to a simplistic view of like, well, we'll just play man. Right. Uh, and so like that to me, the, the best thing that I ever got was when those two kids went to summer and, and uh, they, they both text me and was like, everything makes sense. It's everything that we worked on. I totally understand it. I feel like I'm a step ahead from some of these other kids that have just been playing man. And that, to, that to me, that's the most rewarding part of being a coach is I set you up for success. When you got to that next level, I gave you those, uh, the understanding so that you kind of were a step ahead of everybody. So to me, that's what it is. And, and Hey, if your offense is more complex, your defense is going to have to match that as well. Yeah. Um, I'm so I'm going to talk. Sorry, Dan. Go ahead. My bad. Uh, no, you're good. So 
a lot of these, a lot of people listening to this podcast are guys who have been running spot drop cover three and cover one together for the last 20 years because I can teach it because we never have a D1. That's not a thing that exists around here. Right. Water here does not produce D1 athletes. So I've got to do less with more. And sometimes that means being so fundamentally sound and simple that my kids can't screw up. So then if I get beat, it's because the offense beat me, not because the defense lost the game, right? Um, I know that there's always the first year. So I say the first thing going into like installing one of these quarters coverage is understand you're going to have a rough first year because I've installed it at a place and gave up 40 points per game just trying to learn the system. I also just watched uh, Brent Venables go to the University of Oklahoma where if you think talent's lacking there, you're crazy and went six and seven, which is our worst season in, in common history. Like, But now the, all the defensive players this summer are talking about, we know, right? Like now we know what's going on. Yeah. So it makes you think there was literally times last year they just didn't know where they were supposed to be, like where they align, what they're supposed to do. Um, so there's always going to be that first year bump. So my question to you is understanding that, how do you dip your toes into match quarters coverage without giving up the simplicity that you've had and, and, and whatever success you've been raking in the last few years? What is my first step to becoming a quarters team? Is it is it just running read two? Because I know people do that and win state championships. So um, is it just start with read two? Is there another, is it robber cup? Where do we start if I'm a guy that needs to introduce this, but I can't go install the full package this year? Yeah, if you're a, a cover one team, I think the easiest transition would just go to nine-man spacing quarters, which was what four lock, meg quarters, uh, however you want to term it. Um, basically locking on number one with the corner. I, you know, whether it's off or on, I, th- I, I always start off, but if you've been, if you've always kind of been a cover one uh, press team, you go ahead and play press quarters and your safeties now are going to play a little bit more like man. And then now your overhangs can be almost like a wall two player, a bang to buzz player, which again, those are, you know, Bang to buzz is a cover three term. I'm going to wall, I'm going to wall the slot. I'm going to bang on them. And then I'm going to buzz to the flat. Well, that's, that's quarters, but instead we're, we're capping one and two. I think that's an easiest transition. If I'm a cover three team uh, and I've primarily been a cover three team again, maybe running cover two to the passing strength, running quarters away. So you feel comfortable with a weak rotation and you kind of have those quarters tools already built in. That's another easy way. Uh, now my three up player is always coming from the table. I don't have to worry about the vertical of three and then my, my linebacker. If I'm a spot drop team, the biggest thing, and I, I actually think it's easier transition from being a spot drop to a zone match team than it is to be a man team to then going to zone. Uh, if you're a man team, they're going to want to latch on and run. Right now, my eyes are now my eyes are away from the court. I can't see anything. I don't know where the box is. I don't come off on smash smash rules. I don't come off on anything. Right, I'm just running. Right, uh, and I think for for guys like that, that's more difficult. But if I'm as there's not a lot of difference. It's just tightening down the screw. I'm just tightening it up. I think quarters is the best place to start because cover tool cover two becomes an issue of. What do you define as a vertical? What do I do when two's out? Is the corner going to take it? Are we going to keep, are we going to play squat coverage and let the corner keep sinking? Um, are we going to play trap? Are we going to play side read? Are we going to play with a hard corner? Are we going to play? I think that there's just a, you know, I think Nick Saban, I, and I've been, I've searched the quote forever, but I know I've seen it. Nick Saban said one time, like on his, on his tombstone, he's going to put cover two, put me here. Cause he's still trying to figure out 
how to run true cover two. And I think that that's, that's where I see more problems. Quarters is just man with rules, right? Like I just have a, Hey, we get a slant, we get a slant flat. We're just going to switch it off. Cause we don't, we're not, we're not going to nail down on anything underneath five yards or, right. We're just going to play man, and so it ends up playing out like man. Um, I think that that to me is really where where I think that you can where I think that you can start. I think too bracket, and I've said this on multiple different occasions. Bracket, which I talked about at the beginning of the show, is the key to unlocking modern coverages. So if I'm a cover three team and I've been a match three team, and especially like uh, I'm coming from the South, I'm an Alabama coach. I'm a Mississippi coach. I've been around the SEC. Everybody runs Rip Liz. Every time I go visit a college coach, they're talking about Rip Liz. They're doing this. And so we, it, that's the ecosystem I live in. That's where I'm, you're already halfway there. Uh, Now you're just, now you're just tight. Again, you're tightening everything down. Maybe you're playing like a, a two read away from it, which is a lot of it to simplify the save and cover seven stuff. That's a lot of like seven bracket. That's a lot of what it is. It's bracket to the passing strength. And then it's kind of like a two read or a trap two or a cover two or a cone, however, however you want to define that away. Uh, so, and I know I'm, I'm throwing a lot of like coach speak, oh, but co- coach, it's great because some people may not understand that we call the same stuff nine names <laughs> yeah. read read two and palms and all that stuff yes. you know it, it just it's all the same thing with some defensive coordinators put a new terminology to it so it's absolutely great that you're using those because someone you may have to google that stuff and go oh that's the same stuff <laughs> right yeah i try and be like my goal i, I laugh about it I, my goal is to be the rosetta stone of defense like i want to be able i can find the term that we both know you know i'm trying to be so that's why I give out like a laundry list of terms uh, when I, you know, and then I never want to assume I haven't, I don't even think I've even said sky or cloud in this entire, this entire thing. So I'm trying not to assume that people even understand or even know who I am. I try never to do that. Uh, so to me, I think if I'm man, if I've been a, in the man universe, quarters is a great way to start. And in fact, it, I've always defaulted to cover one instead of cover three. So I've always been a quarters with a cover one. Um, I think a lot of guys have talked about that are quarters guys. They just play cover one. It's, it's an easy transition because your guys already kind of have an idea of what man is. Uh, you're just kind of putting your safety down and then you're just, you're all you're doing is cheat. You're cheating one safety to the post and, and that's it. You've already, most of the guys, most of the guys in the quarters world play poach or solo or kick coverage. So they already know a cheat step. They already know how to get to the middle of the field. You're just not carrying the vertical of three anymore because you got like a man on them. Um, I think if you're in the cover three world, it's probably it is probably easier to go to more of a two read scheme. Uh, your safeties are already used to being high. Now the aiming point is a little further away. Maybe you start dabbling in Tampa. I know Tampa is coming back. A lot of guys are running Tampa. Tampa is cover three. It's just your middle third players coming from the box, right? Um, and so. There's, uh, you know, in my where I'm from, Cowboys, the Cowboys are a big cover three team. Dan Quinn's been a, a, P, a P. Carroll guy forever. Uh, he's been a cover three guy, cover one guy almost everywhere that he's even been, even if you go all the way back to when he was at Florida. So to me, they run a ton of Tampa and all and, and really their rotations aren't that confusing if they if it's third down, they just take out one of the backers and they may put a dime back. And now again. That may not be what you can do at your level, but you can teach your Mike linebacker to run the pole and just, hey, run vertical. He doesn't have to be a guy that has to cover. So I think 
showing cover three, popping out to cover two, because again, what are the things that you're going to give up in cover three? You're going to give up the underneath coverage. All Tampa two is running cover three from the outside in, not the inside out. That's really all it is. You're just changing the contour of it. You're playing with two safeties instead of one uh, and your, your corners are now hard in the flat. And now your two safeties are kind of the deep third outside. And then you have a pole runner, but there's so many different versions of and ways to do it. Like if you're a cover three team and you've been running three cloud, you're not that far away from running two roll. You're running inverted two to one side, you're running uh, cover two to the other side. And then you just got to figure out who you want to be the run through player on that. So I, I think, um, Cover one is a good, you know, I say if you want to get into the match world, cover one with quarters. But if you are a big cover one team, a lot of teams now are starting to run a lot of these Tampa rotations. And so maybe Tampa is the one that you get into um, and have more of a, you know, quote unquote spot drop. We don't want to get real heavy in the match. We're already a man team. Let's get into Tampa. I know there, there's a several teams here in the area. I know Harden Simmons, I think, here at the D3 level is a big Tampa 2 team. Uh, so, I mean, you're, uh, uh, you go North Dakota State has won how many national titles running 4-3 cover 2? Yeah, uh, and hot pressures. Uh, Ince is a great guy. I've, I've known, I've known coach Ince now for several years and talked to him about hot pressures and, and, and they're a big Tampa two team. So you can win games at Tampa two. I, Tampa two is not dead. Uh, it just looks a little different. You know, I think I tweeted the other day, I said, Tampa two's back. It just looks like your high school girlfriend. She just looks a little bit different. You know, it's like <laughs> you see her again. It's, but it is Tampa two. It's the same. It's the same. It's just people have kind of added different things to it. Uh, and contours to it. So I, that that's kind of the roadmap, those three ways, cover one to quarters, you know, cover three to maybe some Tampa. And then if I'm, I am cover two and I just need a change up, I need a too high change up, then Tampa might be the one for awesome. you. All right. Well, I think we've, um, we've talked a ton of football. People are going to be Googling the crap out of some terminology. Yeah. And I think that's good, man. You need Let to be more. Let me a couple of things on what Cody hit. I'll go quick. Cause I know we we're kind of right where we want to be and I don't want to take any more time from him, but one Cody, I'm glad you got the joy of coaching at a small school where you didn't have the athletes, because I think that makes us so much better coaches. And now you'll be able to relate to 95% of the rest mm -hmm. of us that have to put a kid out there because you have to play 11. Well, we, we, I wanted to call sometimes the opponent, like, can we just do 10? I've got 10 good ones. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Second thing Cody kind of mentioned, I want to kind of get on here is I know that a lot of guys that maybe listen to this are in my mindset. I hate seven on seven with passion. However, it can be a very useful tool. Like Cody said, if you use it for what it's used for and you go out there and you run quarters and you run all this different stuff, we like seven on seven a lot for our quarterback and we like it a lot for our DBs. I hate it for my linebackers because they, you know, no matter what you tell them, they drop and cover, but we like it for that stuff. So I, I do think that's a tool you need to use, especially if you're playing teams that throw it. You might just because I don't like something doesn't mean I'm not going to go do it because it's going to help my kids. And then Cody mentioned this also. He talked about philosophy. Like at all three schools he was at, what's the philosophy from the head coach? And that needs to dictate your coverages. Like, are you, grind the game out, keep everything underneath and tackle it, which is what we've kind of been for a long time at Southside. Or do you want to score a bunch and make the game kind of go longer? Well, you may want to look at more press and explosive things. And, and then just a couple of little notes I had. This is my belief. I know we're going to talk about this in the next podcast too, but I think you start on the back end when you're building your defense. I think it used to be you started on the front 
you know, like baseball, you always build up the middle. I'm not a baseball guy, but that's what I've heard. Basketball, you start with the point guard. I think football now, you start on the back with your defense before you figure out the rest of the structure. Like that's got to be good before you even touch your box. I think that's important, kind of different the way than I used to do it. I already mentioned starting with your opponent, and then you start with your ability level. Cody mentioned that. This year for us, we're going to start a freshman at corner, my son who's a sophomore at safety, uh, a first-year starter at the other corner as a junior, and then a senior, but we talked him into playing football for the first time since he's a freshman at the other safety. We were replacing four DBs. Okay, so for us, we're going to have to be very good at simple things and slowly build, and Cody hit that a bunch. Even when you get studs, and all four of those kids are very talented, very talented, very raw. So be very good at simple things. And then the last thing I would kind of mention to people is whatever coverage you go with, if you're going to go and if you're going to do quarters, you need to buy all Cody stuff. It's awesome. But if you're going to do that, you need to have every single adjustment to, in that coverage, to everything you might see. If this is your base coverage, you shouldn't have to go into a Monday and say, hey, they run this set. This is going to change our coverage. Like you should already know. If I get some kind of trips, unbalanced, Cody mentioned it, flex bone, tight end, full house, backfield, whatever, does your coverage have rules to deal with all of that? You know, and and as a young coach, a lot of times we don't think of those things. You need to teach it as rules, not show one formation and then talk how they adjust. Teach the rule. If we have twins, here's the rule. If we have trips, here's the rule. If we have one, here's the rule. If we have a tight end, here's the rule. And so that's got to be it. And then the last thing I'd say, that's when you add your, what is your, you know, if you're a pitcher, if you're a dominant fastball thrower, what's your off speed? Cody mentioned that he went from cover four to cover one. You know, what is your change? Because at some point, if you're living in one coverage, somebody's going to get you. They're going to figure it out and they're going to start getting you. What is your change? Maybe that's bracket. We've talked a lot about bracket. Maybe that's ma'am. Maybe that's cover three. There's a lot of coverage you can pick from. So that's the kind of notes that I had, Daniel. I know you're getting ready to kind of wrap us up, but I wanted to make sure because I thought that was great stuff from Cody. I want to make sure that if you're a younger guy listening to that, because he is at a wealth of knowledge, and I would recommend he's got, I don't know how many books now, four or five, I think. They're all extremely good, extremely detailed. Yeah, and we'll, we'll let you plug those in just a moment, Coach. Um, last part before we get out of here, what not to do as a coach. Oh, yeah. um, what I assume is many people's, uh, one of their favorite segments of this podcast. So what's today's lesson, uh, Coach Simpson? Yeah, so today's lesson is this. You hear us talk on here, and Cody's one of the smartest guys I've ever had the chance to talk with, yet he talked where you could understand. Okay, Don't go to your kids and start using terms they have no idea what they mean. Like Talk simple to your kids. Cody's one of the best I've ever seen at doing this, of making things that are difficult Simple. So the today's lesson as a coach is talk to the lowest IQ in the room. When you go in there and you're talking to your kids, talk to them as though they don't know and don't make assumptions. Because I don't care if they're a Division One level kid. I don't care if they're playing at the collegiate level. There are a lot of people that when you start talking, you need to make sure that you're talking where they understand it and it's simple. Not to sound smart. Cody sounds smart because he is smart. There's times I sound smart because I hope I am kind of smart. Daniel, same thing. But when I talk to a 15-year-old, I talk in terms they understand. I talk in ways they can relate to. I talk in things that make it really easy for them. A lot of times as coaches, we go to clinics and we get coached up because that's what we do. We're professionals and we spend a lot of money to do this. And so we learn all of this stuff. And it's great stuff to know. But be careful 
when you talk to your kids that you talk in your terminology and ways they understand it. And you don't ever assume I got a freshman out there at corner. You know, if I use the word cap, he would look at me cross-eyed. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> so I'm going to tell him, Hey, cap means don't let a guy over top of you. He understands that one, you know, so that's the kind of terminology things you need to be taking from hopefully this podcast is Cody gave you all these terms. What's your terminology? You know, what are you going to make that for your kids where they understand it? And that's one of the reasons we offer that workbook. That means a coordinator workbook. I think Cody has things on his website as well, where you can come up with your own glossary of terms so that you're speaking to kids and they understand what you're saying. Awesome. All right, coach. Um, we will close out here. If you'll just tell us one more time how we can simplify football for our coaches and our players. Sure. Coaching 101 podcast is sponsored by Findaway Productions, which houses OffensiveCoordinatorAcademy.com, DefensiveCoordinatorAcademy.com. Cody has a session in there. Uh, FBCoachSimpson.com, all things gun tee, all things 3-4, all things football coaching. If you want a material, one of those three websites is probably going to have something like that. Awesome. Uh, and Coach Alexander, I know that you uh, have, have written several books. If you'd like to go ahead and plug those here, it's a great place to let people know where to go out and find those at. Yeah, you know, we were talking about quarters. It, really, what I would encourage you to do, if you if you really, you say, I don't, I want a base knowledge of quarters. How, what are what are things that I can do? I would really encourage you, one, to buy my match quarters, and, and you can find it on Amazon. Just type in match quarters. Uh, you, either one word and it'll take you to my author page or two words and it will take you to my my white book, which is my guidebook to split field coverage. And I go through what I call sky and cloud, which is which is quarters and, and to read and how I teach it, why we do it, how the adjustments and the tags. So everything that you need to start will be right there. And if you want another resource to bounce it off of, uh, because I'm the same way, I, I, I want to go to the source, but then I also want to see how other people are doing it and doing it successfully. Jerry Gordon, who is a, a legendary coach. In fact, he's kind of the one that made the underfront famous. Uh, if you're a three, four guy, uh, he was at Boston college forever. I think he's actually, his team's undefeated right now in division two uh, Italy football right now. Uh, he And so uh, Jerry's been a, a really a, a good friend of mine to bounce ideas off of. And he, what I love about Jerry is he keeps everything really simple. And so Jerry Gordon, he has a split field coverage book as well if you if you follow him on, on twitter find him he's got a link to his book i would get those two books and i would read uh you can either start with his or start with mine um and i would read those and you can either if i want to get more complex you can probably lean towards my stuff if you want to if you want to be really simple you can lean towards his or if you want to be in the middle you can probably pick and choose um because that's what great coaches do uh you know, I this offseason more than ever, I have found myself saying there is nothing new in football. We just live in a different time in a different setting. Uh, and so I think all of this stuff has been around and all this stuff you can use. And, and no coach has really just invented anything. Uh, and so what they're just stealing ideas from other people and recalibrating it to fit their needs. So 
that would be what I do. Again, all I have, I have six books. They're all on Amazon. Again, you can go to Match Quarters, one word. You can find it on the author page. You can follow me again on any of the social media. Uh, just type in Match Quarters, except for uh, Twitter. It's at the underscore coach underscore A. Uh, and again, my DMs are always open. I don't mind asking questions. Um, I would subscribe to Substack. I cover you know football in depth, especially defense. And, and a lot of the things that you heard, I'm talking over and really breaking down on that as well. Perfect. Um, you can find me on the Twitter machine at Coach Chambo OK. You can email me for questions, anything about the podcast, our guests, um, whatever it is, at ChamberlainFootballConsulting at gmail.com. Coach Simpson, where can we find you, sir? Um, all things FB Coach Simpson. So at FB Coach Simpson on Twitter, FB Coach Simpson at gmail.com is my email. You can find me on YouTube. Uh, of course, FB Coach Simpson on the website. And if you are listening to this and you do want to get information about the podcast you can go to fbcoachsimpson.com slash podcast sign up for there for the email list and we'll let you know we're going to have other really good guests like we had cody on this one you'll get information from us about what's coming up and and what we've already covered awesome podcast on twitter is at coaching 101 pod uh, we want to thank you for being a listener to the Coaching 101 podcast. We hope you'll join us next week as we continue to make the complex more simple. Please consider subscribing to the show so you'll always know when the new episodes are out. We'll leave you with this. It's hard to beat someone who never gives up. No matter the situation, find a way.